Welcome to the special podcast series devoted to diversity and inclusion produced by the Urban Development Institute of Australia in WA. I'm your host, Tanya Steinbeck, CEO of UDIA WA, and in this episode, I'm joined by two of UDIA WA's Industry Workforce and Diversity Committee members, Anthony Fisk, Executive Director at CGM Communications, and Felicia Brady, Director of FTB. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you you for having us. Today, we're going to explore the topic around diversity in stakeholder communications, which I know Anthony and Felicia have an enormous amount of experience in. So kicking off uh, with the first question, can can each of you share with our audience just a little bit about your background and experience, particularly in relation to stakeholder comms and, and what that looks like? Look, my experience, um, I, I've been in the industry, property industry now for over 20 years, um, started my career as a town planner and then moved into development management in my 20s, mid to late 20s. And look, I've I've been fortunate to have worked within some incredibly amazing large development organisations, very sophisticated organisations, and have also worked on quite large master plan communities, both infill and greenfield. So they've all come with their interesting idiosyncrasies, but I've learned a lot <clears throat> during my experience within those projects, so on communications particularly. Thanks, Felicia. Anthony? Mine's a little bit different. I come from a communications background, so training communications, worked as communications manager for IINet and various other companies, moved into consultancy, worked with places like uh, Cedar Woods and other big development agencies in my previous role, and then moved into my own company where we specialise in government and community relations, which is important to a lot of developers in terms of reaching out to the community, but also getting approvals through government. We've worked on lots of different greenfield and in-built developments over the last few years. Fantastic. So I guess that segues nicely into, you know, talking about the development industry in particular and how important successful stakeholder engagement and comms is in the delivery of projects. So, Felicia, how how does that communication drive the success of a project, do you think? Things have really, I mean, particularly in, in the span of my career working on these projects, I think there's been a lot of development and growth in understanding the need for really effective communication and authentic communication. So I think, you know, initially it probably started with the odd newsletter was circulated quarterly on an update to do with the project. But now things have really advanced. And I think coupled with the concept of sustainability, you know, social sustainability and social capital and building social capital in the community, this nexus of communications and that building a community have really come together. And I think really that development is has become quite substantial. And I think it's now grown from that sort of initial community newsletter mm. to far greater and really authentic connections with that community to build a community. So now it's not just about telling a community what you're doing. It's about taking that community through that journey and connecting with them and then that really does result in quite significant community growth and also trust with that developer which for me personally that that became something that I was really you know really advocating and it was really important to me personally developing that trust with with the community I worked with because really I do my job because I love it and I want actually to 
I truly want to deliver the best communities when I work on them. So for me, that that communication and that um, building of trust within the community and development of the community is incredibly important. I think you're right. I mean, that engagement has to be built on trust. Yeah. So that, that's that's some of, one of the issues I think some developers come in, in mm. conflict with is that you, you have to build a relationship first. Yeah. If you haven't built that relationship, if you haven't got an open dialogue, if you haven't started talking to people, it's very hard to build a relationship built on, you know, trust and, mm. and respect. So early engagement is really important, I think. Mm. But you, you were talking about that spectrum and I think there's just a increasing demand really from the community that they're not just consulted, mm. uh, just, just participate. Yeah. They actually have and they're empowered to make decisions about their mm. own community. People are thinking more about their communities. I mean, people spending a lot more time at home. People are, are very interested, and particularly in certain areas in Perth, mm. are very passionate about what happens next door or down the street. So you can't discount that. So yeah. it's important, I think, if you are going to start on this route, that you start early, but also that you give opportunities to to really collaborate and listen yeah. and make changes even in, in the way that you do your work. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because I think we talked about that as well as actually not just listening and ignoring that feedback and not being defensive. It's easy, you know, if you're incredibly passionate and connected to a project that you're working on and you've obviously invested a lot of your own time in it, it can be very challenging to not be defensive because obviously you've put a lot of effort and energy into it. But sometimes when you actually stop, and I've had to learn this through my career, stop and listen but listen effectively and take on board what they're saying because you you've got a lot to learn from them you know it's they're at the grassroots mm. you're not you know they live and breathe that community on a daily basis you don't you know you might go there a couple of times a week and yes whilst you're working on the project you don't have an in-depth understanding as to what happens on you know in a, on a daily manner so I think that's really important. I think the other thing we were talking about is I've had the fortunate opportunity when I was consulting to Department of Communities recently on a project, Bentley 360, and that was it was located in a very complex community, and I think we'll talk more about that later, but very diverse. And I guess for us and, and within communities, they had a really interesting and innovative way to deal with communications. And there was a drive within senior management there, which was really exciting to develop an independent because there's sometimes there's residents associations which communicate to the developer, but they're actually driven, they're usually driven by negativity, like they're unhappy with what's going on. So they form themselves and provide feedback that way. And that can be actually quite detrimental and quite challenging for a developer. So when we were working on Bentley, we, we decided to form an independent community organisation that was actually developer-led. So, but they would have no influence over that organisation. So it was like a board, almost like a, a committee, yeah. and it had an appointed chair, a paid chairperson, and then me members of the community who were actually selected to be on that committee. And really that, that was meant to be the conduit between the community at grassroots and the developer, which was communities at the time. So I think that was a really interesting way of an effective way of communicating in a very independent manner that was going to bring the community through the process and the project and, and allow them to have direct input and influence into the project. So, I mean, that was really, for me, setting that project up from success at the initial stages. So that was a really exciting concept. And look, I think it, it leads nicely into, you know, the topic of diversity in communications. And, you know, we obviously seen the whole density debate 
and you know the, the the obvious need for Perth to start actively you know promoting and delivering on the infill agenda and we've got such diverse opinions and views as to you know how that should be done where that should be done what it looks like and diversity in demographics as well you know we're talking from the the young ones of today communicate in a very different way uh, to to those that are more mature and you know uh, have very diverse views as well so so what does it mean I, I guess from a diversity, how do you take that into consideration when you're communicating with stakeholders, Anthony, sort of starting with you? One thing you've really got to do is try and understand the communities that you're working in. And and mm-hmm. when I say that, you said, you know, when you're talking in traditional means, you're probably going to get traditional, mm-hmm. older people giving you feedback. And to be frank, people with the most time on their hands yeah. <laughs> usually are people, you know, over 50 or 60 that, you know, are not working. Mm-hmm. And they can be the loudest voices. Yeah. And that that doesn't mean that you're listening to the community. And I think some of the work that you may need to do in advance is actually to do either polling or, you know, some kind of research that can identify, well, what are the real, you know, feelings in this community? Because they will be very diverse views across mm. uh, across the place that you're, um, you're looking at. And it's just really, it's really easy to get distracted by the loudest voices. Yeah. So I think using techniques like polling, I mean, we did something for a, a developer that was in the western suburbs in, the, in a town centre mm. building a big building, mm. was actually going out and speaking to the passers-by, the people that were shopping, people that were residents, you know, getting a diverse range of opinions rather than just the loud people that, you know, mm. may have been in the community for a very long time and were not used to, you know, high-rise development. So it was. It's just about getting those diversity of opinion, and then using that information, and you can feed that back so that people get an understanding. Well, it's not, I'm actually in the minority, or there are other people in this community that want different things than me. So it's about communication, but it's also about research. Mm-hmm. Felicia. Yeah, look, I, I was thinking that, I mean, I, I sort of have worked, I haven't done a lot of work in the Western suburbs, I'm sort of quite relieved about it, to be <laughs> quite challenging at the moment, particularly around the, the topic of diversity, but look, I, I sort of have, I've worked on projects where I've, both infill and greenfields, and they've been very different communities and very different backgrounds. And, you know, working in the Northern Corridor, very heavily influenced by UK residents and new immigrants too, but usually relatively educated, all the way through to Bentley and also some projects in Kubala. And Bentley, again, I'll refer back to that really interesting community, low socioeconomic, highly diverse, highly, highly diverse, most, a lot of immigrants, high, very high portion of immigrants and you know we we learned through communicating with the community and the way we did that was to actually go through particularly the primary school and talk to the kids so the kids a lot of the time actually could speak English English was a second language but they they were obviously educated through the system here so we got their feedback a lot of the time and then that way we actually also were able to connect to their parents and then obviously their Mm -hmm. friends so we started to understand the, the needs of the community and also understand that our traditional communication techniques just wouldn't work there a lot of them didn't even speak English so sending a newsletter out you know well in the mail or particularly these days they're electronic so that was the other thing we we determined they a lot of them don't actually own computers 
um, and don't have Wi-Fi within the home. So sending an electronic newsletter wasn't going to work. So then we sent, you know, paper newsletters asking them for feedback, but also ensure that there was an interpreter available to them if they wanted that translated. So because, again, their, their, their feedback on what we were doing was really important. And, again, it's probably not – it's also about holding – I'm a big advocate of this. It's quite frightening and intimidating when particularly you're starting a new development in a community where there might be some pushback. Mm. But fronting up to that yeah. community and being available to them at all times to talk to you, because I think that just drives that two-way conversation. It's not a one-way conversation. And yeah. providing events and not just you going up, standing there and talking to a community, but making it feel like it's a comfortable space. Start a relationship. Up, that's exactly right. That's, that's yes. the issue. I yeah. think a lot of people wait until oh, we don't want to tell everyone the development's coming. Yeah. We don't want to warn them. We don't want to get them to get worried about it. Yeah. But that is that's exactly when you should be talking to people because yeah. it's too late once you here's a plan and people say well you didn't talk to me about that I didn't yeah. know what's going and people are actually and we've had this experience in south perth for example where they've had all these tall buildings go up and no one's actually spoken to the the reference groups or the yeah. you know, the action groups mm. so when we came and spoke to them i was so surprised they said great this is someone yeah. talking to us and there wasn't that you know pushback that you know yeah. you expect from those types of groups so I think early engagement and just conversations yeah. really important. And the other side of it as well is like you know the 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 way you can communicate during the life of a project. You know, particularly those larger master plan projects, you can actually get gain some really valuable insight into who the community is. And again, Alkmaar speech working up there um, obviously talked about the the high proportion of UK immigrants. A lot of them, and we were a beachside community. Um, a lot of those immigrants didn't know how to swim, and that was a real safety risk for them lease at the time they were very concerned about that and also those beaches up there they're not particularly safe they're quite rocky there's a lot of swell a lot of rips and so there was a development um, in the DCPs um, a surf life-saving club that was denoted on there for delivery you know in whatever it was 20 at the time it was 2030 or something and so we then obviously through that communication engagement with the community we determined that a lot of them can't swim and so and then we had this then that allowed us to understand there was probably a safety risk associated with the beach and this future surf life-saving building. So we, we thought, well, why don't we try and establish a surf life-saving club through a temporary building on site to help build capacity within the community mm. through teaching those kids how to respond on the beach to rips and their parents. It wasn't just limited to children. It was actually building. And now, I think I mentioned it the other day to you, to Anthony, but now that surf life-saving club they've actually had to bring forward the actual building the actual construction of the permanent facility because the club is the was the fastest growing club yeah. in australia so you know really really interesting really interesting that's great felicia i think you know it's it's a classic example of how genuine early engagement i think can benefit the community but also influence you know local government and developers to bring forward the delivery of certain infrastructure when you know otherwise it they would have been waiting you know another 10 or 15 years perhaps so just to sort of close it out, how do you demonstrate the benefits to developers and, and government in terms of recognising diversity within communications? How do you communicate the benefits of doing that rather than just using the sort of traditional one-size-fits-all, you know, email newsletter, for example? I think you have to use outcomes. And I think that there are examples now where people have started to communicate with diverse communities like you're talking mm. about in Bentley, mm. even in places like inner city Perth, mm. if you can demonstrate that you've spoken to or communicated with or got information from a wide group of people, 
what we're finding is that those developments are, are getting through more easily because yeah. the communication is is working. People are being felt listened to. So I think that you have to look at results yeah. more than anything else. Yeah, you're so right. And I think even, you know, I use communication as a, as a, as a means of actually collecting information. And as you said, and it, it helps actually drive profit within projects. And people sort of fail to realise this, like, you know, things like product development you know if you're particularly in an area where there's competing product you have to understand you have to have a competitive edge right and so i think understanding your community allows you to do that so through effective communication and engagement and that relationship building and being able to call on people whenever you need to i mean i I always did that had a few advocates in the community i could call on you've actually change your say for example your product mix to suit the community that you're dealing with and Bentley is another classic example it was planned for dense a very very dense community interestingly enough when we started doing a lot of the engagement with the community we actually determined that a lot of the household configuration is actually not very traditional at all and they would have sometimes three sections of the family living together so what was actually working for them was these incredibly large homes that had sort of four bathrooms and seven bedrooms or you know and then so we started thinking well, maybe this is not going to work maybe something like dual key housing would work for them and even if it is in a, an apartment format kind of like the interconnected rooms and hotels so you know it starts to help you drive things like product development even things like understanding particularly you know the design of open space you know being able to target the design of the delivery of open space to your community is not only beneficial to them but beneficial to the project because all of a sudden you're offering something probably quite different to everyone else rather than just delivering another playground understanding well you know actually this community comprises youth they're you know predominantly malaysian actually malaysians go out at night a lot so we might need to actually develop a space that's very night focused Mm. you know that's got really great lighting or exciting lighting at night that then targets that community so that that drives them to want to come there Mm. and also helps drive sales ultimately and the project profit so there is huge benefit in understanding um, the community and that's really through that relationship building through communication effective communication yeah look I think it's a it's an absolutely fascinating topic I I feel like we could talk about this for hours (laughs) so look I think I think the discussion's been fantastic I think your thoughts and insights have been really really relevant especially in the current environment where you know we've got a lot of projects coming online there's a lot of talk about planning reform and you know community engagement and how best to go about that you know when we have such a progressive infill agenda moving forward so as always before we finish off our podcast we always ask our guests to give us a a message in the bottle for everyone that's listening to take away so anthony what's your message in a bottle so many things to say but i think don't be afraid i think the the advice i'd give people in when, when embarking on community engagement is to give it all you've got deal with it as it comes so in other words go in give as much information as you can do That can be scary because people don't want to give everything away about their projects. But I Mm -hmm. think what happens in the end is that people build that level of trust and respect that you will need to have an ongoing relationship. So Mm -hmm. don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. It's my message. I love that. And Felicia? Yeah, I think mine would be be authentic. I think the thing that's worked, well, I felt has worked for me through my career, throughout my career is I truly am passionate about what I work on and I'm I'm sure the majority of development managers are and I love and appreciate everything that I build. You know, you've got a lasting legacy and 
being yourself and allows you to be open to other people and they will feel that, you know, they will read you and they will read that authenticity and they will feel open to talking open and honestly with you about their feedback on what's going on in the local community. And I think it just builds, again, it builds trust. It's that, it is that relationship yeah. building piece. I think it's no good just going in there and, and just telling everyone this is, this is a two-way street essentially. So, yeah, that's my message in a bottle yeah look and again really really relevant and I think those two things trust and authenticity you can't have one without the other so yeah great messages well look thank you very much to you both for joining us today really appreciate your time and your insights I hope today's discussion has provided some food for thought and perhaps help with projects that you are working on out there Stay tuned for more episodes of our podcast dedicated to exploring diversity and inclusion in the urban development industry and more broadly in the coming months.